Amen. Thank you all. You may be seated. Well, um, to all, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, uh, one of the great times of receiving uh, a, a, a Christmas gift because, you know, today is actually the sixth day in Christ- of Christmas, the Christmas season. You know, there's 12 days of, of Christmas. Those are actually in the church calendar, the 12 days after Christmas. So all those things that you thought you didn't get done by Christmas, you still got another six days. So you're welcome. Here's the gift. Six more days of Christmas to get out those Christmas cards, to do Christmas shopping, to do whatever you, you want. You got six more days. And as, as Mike mentions, also that season in our uh, calendar, not the church calendar, but uh, our, our calendar of New Year's and resolutions. And, um, and at that stage, usually at the word of resolution, there is a sigh of disdain. That goes because we, 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 we tend to say, I don't need something else on my plate. Yeah, and we hear regularly the, the word busy or even exhausted or even worn out. Well, today what I want us to do is, is uh, um, to rearrange the plate. Or maybe even just change the dishware all together. Because it's so often that we, we come to this point of, of, of resolution and we just say, you know, we're, we're burned out. We feel like we're on a treadmill. You know, where we're, we're working and working and working but going nowhere. Even though we can, these days on treadmills you've got virtual um, reality before you, where it even makes you feel like you're going somewhere because of the screen that's either uh, surrounding your eyes or right in front of you. Yeah, I I did some looking at the idea of burnt out. And um, the first time that I could, uh, I didn't do the original research, but looking at other folks that talk about it, it was in the 60s. um, as a a book called Burnt Out Case. And it was a a book written in 1961 about a mission doctor in the Belgian Congo. That was the name of it at the time. And, And the first time we saw that. By, by 74, there's an article where um, a psychi- psychiatrist has um, termed, termed, made the phrase burnout. And then by the 80s, there was already a, um, uh, an inventory that was developed uh, to try to gauge people on the level of their burnout, of how busy or, or tired or how they were just making it through the day, but not really with, with purpose. Where again, you feel like you're on a treadmill, working, 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 but really going nowhere. But it is actually back in the, in the 40s, the 1940s, where they didn't use the term burnout, but were talking about that particularly um, with some mission workers in India. Um, that was, there was a big push of the, the church into doing mission work in India. And, but mission workers were just dropping like flies. You know, they were, they were burned out. They, uh, the, when I'm burned out, there's, there's two things that happen. One is it feels like I'm an engine with no oil. You know, there's just no lubrication. It's just metal on metal. You're just working it through. Or the other is then you get to a point where you just don't care. You know, you just sort of check out, and it's like, oh, well, too bad, 
God will take care of it. Yeah, and that was happening to these missionaries in India. So uh, a psychiatrist and a, uh, a theologian, Emil Bruner and Frank Lake, they went to India. They interviewed these folks, um, uh, these mission workers. They did Bible study and prayer with them, and they, they did psychological evaluations of the, of the day. And, and what they encountered as they studied the Scriptures together, particularly, was they saw you know, the work that Jesus did and all the opposition and all that if anybody was going to be burned out, it was going to be Jesus. And yet, they couldn't see any signs in Jesus' life of being burned out. So what was it with Jesus? What, how did he, what, what did he do? How did he do to, to uh, in a sense, avoid that? To, what, what, were, what, was his, what were his practices? What, was the elements of, what were the elements of his life that uh, sustained him? That would give him the the capacity to be able to to, to say to, to anyone and everyone, say, if you're burned out, come to me. I'll give you rest. Now, what where'd that come from? So what I want us to, to do today, and something that we've we've looked at a couple times um, over the course of the last decade, this cycle of grace that Jesus lives into and that leads us, how he leads us into the cycle of grace. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for Jesus. Uh, Thank you for your word that speaks to us and guides us now. Uh, Lord, in the power of your spirit, enable us to hear from you, hear your word, not just in our head, but apply it in our heart and soul, in our feet and our hands. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, the, the, the passage that I just alluded to is in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28 through 30, where Jesus says uh, to the crowd around him, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so how do we take this yoke with Jesus? You know, how do we yoke with him? Well, let's learn from him. That's what these guys did in the 40s, and that's what we'll, we'll build on that. Now, in your, your bulletin on the back, you've got a couple circles yeah, already, I could have made you draw a circle, but you're welcome, another gift. Yeah, I've already had pre-circles already on your bulletin. And what uh, I want you to do is write down four words that uh, will also um, be on the, the screen. There's acceptance, and then there's sustenance, then significance, and fruitfulness. So you can, you can write those um, on um, the, the circles. Oh, and the other thing, in a little bit, if, if you have a, a, a cell phone, I'm going to ask you to text me um, in a little bit. So you can um, get that out while you're um, uh, writing those down also. But we'll, we'll get there in a little bit. So you can write those in acceptance, sustenance, fruitfulness, and significance. All right, so let's uh, um, go first then to acceptance. Let's, let's look at that one. 
right? Acceptance is, um, we see in Jesus that, that he flows out of his awareness that he has been chosen by God, that, that he belongs um, to God. At, at his baptism, um, at uh, his ordination, um, at the transfiguration, that the Father from above says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And it's not just acceptance can be too weak of a word. That, that he, not just that he is acceptable, but that he is cherished, he is loved, he is celebrated. He, he is grounded in the love of the Father for him. That, that is, his, his root, he is rooted there. And, and so too are we accepted by God with that equal, cherished, um, uh, loved, adored, celebrated. You may remember in Luke 15, Jesus tells the, the story, what we call the prodigal son. And it's a story of a, a son who told his father, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could get the family inheritance and then I could go and live my life the way that I want to live it. So can you just give me my inheritance? Let me go. And the dad does. Gives him his inheritance and he goes his own way. And then he goes and wastes it all. Ruins it all. I mean, he gets on the treadmill. He is beat up by the treadmill. And he is destroyed. And yet he then comes back home with his tail between his legs. And how does the father respond to him in that story of Jesus in Luke 15? He runs to the son. He embraces him. He says, hey, my son has returned. Put on his coat of honor. Put shoes on his feet. Put a ring on his finger. And let's have a party. Let's celebrate. That's how God cherishes you. That's how God cherishes me. That's how he celebrates me and you. That is the reality no matter what we've done, there's absolutely nothing that you can do or that I can do to make God love you any more or any less. It is already full and complete, His celebration of who you are. Jesus was grounded in that acceptance uh, as God's child. So too are you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son who died for us to assure our forgiveness, to defeat sin and guilt and judgment and to give us life eternal. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's how much God loves you and me. So it's not just that you're acceptable to Him. You are cherished and worth the blood of His Son. That's the first step of his cycle of grace that he accepted the eternal acceptance, the eternal love of God for him and for us. The world tells us we're accepted for all the wrong reasons. He says, well, it's because of, of things we, uh, we are or are not. 
You know, in, in the world, you're not, you can't, can't be too fat, can't be too skinny. You can't be too dark, can't be too light. You can't be too smart or too clumsy. You, you can't be too, too funny or too sad. You know, the, the world wants to accept us because of, well, you've got to be from the right place. You've got to have the right hair. You've got to be from the right city. You've got to be from the right school. The world wants to accept us for all of these other reasons, but God says, no, I accept you and cherish you and love you because you are mine. The way the world does it is by comparison or competition. But our acceptance in God is because of the very character of God. Now, that's one thing to know. It's one thing to know in our head, and that's not new knowledge to any of us, uh, but then to live it, for it to move into our, he- into our hearts, into our soul. And that's the next uh, thing, the sustenance there. This is the, the means of living into the acceptance that is ours in God through Jesus Christ. It's uh, what uh, historically the church has called the means of grace. What truly sustains our soul, roots our soul in the acceptance of the love of God. All right, well, here's what I wanted you to get out your phones. If you have your phone, um, uh, now this, you can uh, text me. My son has already texted me. That's unfair. I will strike that one from the record. Um, but my, my phone number, right, this is 235 4011. Two three five forty eleven. All right. Now, what do you? For the, those of you maybe that you're familiar with Jesus, familiar with the scriptures um, and stories about him, what do you think were some of his practices, the things that sustained him um, in rooting him in the acceptance of the Father? What, what were some of those um, things that he? Um, did to help sustain him and root him. All right. He prayed. Yeah. A little little challenge there. He prayed till he bled. Have you ever um, done that before? Uh, good, Good question. Time alone, he took time alone with God. There was a purity in, uh, in his life. Time in the Word, he was, he was obedient in his life. He acted that out. Again, prayer and solitude. He had friends around him that supported him and strengthened him. Um, uh, again, time in the Word. Went to synagogue regularly. He was in, with others um, uh, in, in worshiping God, it helped others. Yeah, he, he, he was regularly with folks who were outsiders, you know, spent time with children, spent time with women, spent time with those outside of the faith. All of these things that uh, sustained him. You guys are getting better and better at texting. This is the most that I've ever gotten uh, from asking before. Yeah, all right. No, no calling me. Yeah, no calling me. That's illegal. All right. Very, very good. 
Yeah, spent time in, in solitude at times as well. Yeah, ate with others. Yeah, he, 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 he broke bread regularly with, with groups and, and had um, uh, also, yes, and had that, that uh, um, communion with his close friends, that, uh, the, the, the disciples, and, and hung with them, actually. And, and you see other things uh, as well. You know, he spent time fasting as well and other spiritual, um, what we also call spiritual disciplines or means of grace. Yeah. They accepted others. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. A diet rich in seafood. Okay, that, that's 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 from our local fisherman. All right, that we'll stop on that one. This was his sustaining grace. Again, not done. To achieve, I mean, like being here, being here right now is one of the things of this means of grace, sustaining us, rooting us in that acceptance. God's no more love in love with you because you're here um, over the person that just hit the snooze button and stayed in bed this morning. He's no more in love with you than he is with them and no more in love with them than he is with you because that's not based on what we do or say. So, but this sustenance is what helps root us in such a radical acceptance that goes so much against the grain of the ways of the world. That's why we're here. I mean, it's out of response to God's, it's out of gratitude to God's joy, to, to the joy of, of knowing God. And, uh, but it is to accomplish in us, rooting us in this radical, eternal love of God. And we see that in Jesus. Regularly, how he sustained himself. Now, he, he, he was rooted radically deeply in the acceptance of the Father without really any concern for the acceptance of the world. This is a good time to stop and reflect for yourself. I mean, one is when you engage in in prayer, when you engage in scriptures, when you engage with community with one another, when you break bread with others, wherever you are and wherever you're doing, are those things feeding, sustaining you in this truth of of the eternal acceptance of God. A a good time to consider how, how... we can be swayed by what the world says as acceptance versus what Jesus says and shows as acceptance. And a good time to stop and say, you know, what am I doing to be sustained, to be rooted, to, to feed on? What am I feeding on to get this food that I am cherished and loved and accepted by God? through Jesus, no matter what. Thirdly, 
then Jesus gets his significance. It flows now. I mean, acceptance and sustenance maybe are ways of thinking about input. And significance is one of the things that, out, that, that flows out um, from that acceptance and significance that is in him, or that acceptance and sustenance um, rooted in him. And that significance is, you know, what does your life signify? What, uh, what truly is your place? What is our value in this world? Now, the, the, the ways of the world, value, gives significance to a lot of different things that, that aren't bad, but they're just not the bar that God values. They're, they're not the way that God judges our significance. Yeah, I mean, you, you can, uh, uh, the, the world can value sports and academics and uh, different levels of um, ability, whether you can sing or write or speak or, or whether you've got social intelligence or great personality or maybe your business capacities or your influence over others or your, your financial success. And again, those, none of those things are, are bad in and of themselves except if that's how we compare and compete for significance. I mean, Jesus finds no significance in those things. He does not find significance in popularity. I mean, there were times that he turned away from popularity. He doesn't find it in numbers. There were times that he sent the crowd away. And he, there were times that he, he didn't find it in, in, in sports or writing or business, intellect, or even in, in healing, even miracles. That, that was not his significance. His significance was in the love of God in him and through him. The purpose, the value of his life was in living in the love and will and plan of God. He saw it at the end of Jesus' life when he, when he is praying and bleeding at the same time. And he's saying, not my will, but your will be done. That was his significance. Now, what is God for, for us as we walk with Jesus? Our, our significance is found in walking with God and doing the, the will of God according to the values of the kingdom. What has God created you to do? He's chosen you. He's adopted you before the foundation of the world. You know, I mean, He has cherished you before you were even created. And He's created you with certain gifts and abilities. And what we're told in Ephesians, He's already created good works for you to do. In a way, you've already got significance because they're the good works that God's created for you to do. What are your... He's given you gifts. He's given you passions and interests. And he's, he's given you your own personal history, your own background that leads you to who you are today. And, and for that, He's created you to do the good works of today. That's a what... Yeah, it's a good time to reflect and say, what, what brings me significance? And how do I let the world or my own sin or others unduly give me significance? Yeah, because there's a lot of things that we can find significance in in our own abilities and capacities and in our, our looks. Or, but I got bad news for you. Those things are going to go. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to go. 
my, my jump shot's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. You know, and I got other things that are getting more wrinkly and saggy and uh, you know, stuff like that. It, it's all going to go. So if our significance, but you see how that's so destructive. If our significance is found in what we can accomplish, then what that means is our significance is going to diminish. If that's where we base it. But if it's, no, I'm, I'm doing what God has created me to do for right now. God's not surprised that some of our capacities may be lowering, that our intellectual abilities, maybe our memory may be getting worse, our physical capacities may be diminishing. He's not surprised. He knows that, but he's created you and me just now for that perfect thing, and that is the significance that we find in doing his will, not ours. It has nothing to, to, to do with competition or comparison, but everything to do with living into God's calling, being the, the part of the body of Christ that, that we are to be, that, that, that whether it's, and that's not just in, in the church, I mean, that's at home, that's in our families, in our communities, in our workplace, wherever we go, God, we're, we're just as much under God's calling in those places as we are anywhere else, and he has us there to do what we're capable of doing in his power in that place for his glory. And that is the ultimate significance. Maybe it's a, a good time during this, this, this season to, to, to do a, a gift assessment. You know? Maybe there's all kinds of gift assessments. You can talk to Pastor Dennis about that. We, he does that regularly with the exploration class. Or maybe it's just time to get with a, a friend or two and say, where do you see me you know, alive? Where do you see God's gifts and purposes within me? Or or just to to get with God and talk to Him about it and listen to Him. What what have you created me for today? Because that's the significance that we have is doing and being who He's called us to be, doing what He's called us to do today. And then what flows from significance then is fruitfulness. That, that's then where what, what, what happens, what is, what is done, what, what is achieved, what is accomplished. It's, it's fruit of our acceptance and sustenance and significance flowing from the Father. It's, it's then it flows from that as a life of love for God and a life of love for others. I mean, in, in John 15, when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. But in me, as you abide in me, then there you will find joy. There you will bear fruit. But it flows from being rooted in him. And we certainly see that in Jesus and it flows from him and all the things that he did in his life and then ultimately in his greatest accomplishment when he died on the cross to defeat sin, guilt, death. And evil. I mean, I, I really think the 33 years of Jesus' life were needed for him in the fullness of his humanity to develop into, to be rooted in that time in the acceptance of the Father, to be sustained by the practices of grace, to, for the significance to be found in the Father's will and values and love alone, and for his fruitfulness then on the cross to flow 
from this cycle of grace. As we yoke ourselves with Him, then we too are rooted in the acceptance of God the Father. We we sustained in His love for us. Find our significance in His love for us that then bears fruit in our lives for His glory. Now, it's interesting with these uh, mission workers and with the guys I was talking about at the beginning, um, there's another, what they, as they considered this, they then made another circle with the same words. And they said, you know, what we find is that the ways of the world start somewhere else. The ways of the world start with fruitfulness and then move around the circle. Because what we, we say here is, is I, I am here to do something. I'm a human doing instead of a human being. And so I need to, to do something. I need to be fruitful with my life. I need to accomplish something. I need to achieve something. And then when I do, that's what gives me significance because of what I can accomplish. And then that significance that then flows and feeds my, my soul, that sustains me for the, my, my life. That, that's what feeds me is significance I find in what I do. And if I am sustained by that, find my significance there and what I'm accomplishing, then I am accepted. That's the treadmill. That's the cycle of works. It says, my, the acceptance that sustains me finds significance in what I accomplish. Instead of a fruitfulness that flows from the significance that comes from the sustaining eternal love of my Creator. One leads to fruitfulness no matter what station of life, no matter what circumstance. The other leads to burnout and destruction at some point. Because one is based on the eternal faithful love of God. The other is based on what I'm able to accomplish. Now, invite you just to sit with these, this cycle of grace. Just to receive from the Father this truth of the, the sustaining power of the acceptance, the radical acceptance of His love. And just to, to live into that, to find your significance not in what you do or can accomplish or what you have done or what you promise to do, but find your significance in that you have been chosen and adopted created, gifted for works that accomplish His purposes. And let's just take a moment and and listen and just consider what was one thing. This is a lot. This is a lot to live with for a long time. That's why I gave you circles already and you wrote it down. So now you've, you've got it. But what's one thing from this that you really heard from the Lord that he's calling you 
to do or to be or to, to change or to say? What, what's one thing? It could be in any of those. Maybe that one of those is more significant than the other. Let's uh, take a minute and invite you to listen for that and just write that down. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you praise and and glory and honor. We, We marvel, we are humbled by the reality that we we know is true but never grows old of your love for us in Jesus Christ, and that nothing separates us from that love, that you are faithful and true, even when we are unfaithful. Even when we, in our our brokenness, you make us whole. That you have chosen and adopted us since the beginning, before the beginning of the world. That you sent your son to die for us. We cherish that. We celebrate and marvel your love from us. So we we pray, uh, Father, that you will continue to work in us individually and us as a community to free us from anything that diminishes our understanding, our acceptance, our sustenance being found in your love for us. Continue to help us set up those structures, those means of grace to live into that, that truth that is eternal. And to continue to turn down the volume of the, the ways of the world that base our acceptance in something else. And speak to us um, corporately and individually, Lord, how we can live into this cycle of grace that bears fruit for your glory. And, and Almighty God, we, we uh, ask you as well to continue to, to teach us to, to love you and to love others as ourselves. And as we um, enter into this new year, we, we continue to pray for your um, guiding and, and leading us, not only as a church, uh, not only individually, but to lead us uh, as a, a country. We pray for those that you have put in authority, 
whether it's as a mayor or governor or president or all the other positions that you have chosen to be in positions of authority or if it's uh, police or firefighters. We pray your blessing um, upon them so that you will bring forth the peace and prosperity of our our cities and our state and our our nation and our world. We um, continue to to pray, Lord, for your healing hand when it comes to the, the drug crisis in our land. We pray for your your provision, particularly for those who are seeking employment, for for families who are are in need, veterans returning from the field, those returning um, from jail back to life as returning citizens. For each one, Lord, we pray you will give them renewal, you will give them provision. And Lord, we pray for our world particularly those that follow after you, that are persecuted and imprisoned for their faith. The church in North Korea or in in Syria or Congo or Eritrea, Bhutan. Lord, we pray your provision for them to know your acceptance, for them to to be sustained in you, to know their significance in you. And even in, in such chaotic, crazy places, even behind bars, that you, as they are rooted in you, will bring forth fruit in their lives. And Father, we continue to lift up one another to you as well who are ill in our midst, needing your healing hand upon them. We pray for Chappie. We pray for Marion. We we pray um, uh, uh, for all who are in need of your healing hand. Hear the the cries of our heart. You you hear the different ones that we know and we lift them and lay them before you. Now, Lord, in in one voice, we we come before you seeking to be the church that you've called us to be today and in this time and place and to be fruitful in the ways that you have called us to be. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you, no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.